0: As you are pretty much aware of by now, I was kind of nerdy growing up. Some would argue I still am. But anyways, there's this thing in quantum physics called the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. The principle says that the more precisely you know the position of a particle, the less precisely you can simultaneously know the momentum of that same particle. In some ways you could say that uncertainty, unknowing, is built right into the very laws of the universe. In the first reading from the book of wisdom the author says who can know the mind of God or who can conceive what the Lord intends God has revealed himself through the Bible and through the tradition of the Catholic Church the author of wisdom goes on to say whoever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high God has revealed so much about himself to us But there is still a lot about God we don't know. This is because God is God. God is other. An analogy might be your dog. Your dog might know a little bit about what you're feeling or thinking. But the internal-external life of a human being is so far beyond what your dog could even comprehend. As human beings, we have a thirst to know more, to do more. However, we do this somewhat blindly. We cannot perfectly know the future. I mean, we can plan for the future the best we can, but we cannot perfectly plan for the future. The author of Wisdom goes on to say, for the deliberations of mortals are timid and unsure are, are our plans. Even so, this doesn't stop us from trying to predict the future. I mean, look at Las Vegas betting or the actuary sciences these are just a few forms of us trying to predict the future especially with the numbers we see this in the gospel as well a great crowd is following Jesus and so he addresses them with two parables the first parable is about a man building a watchtower to protect his land now I would say that we live in a wealth or a fame culture Your perceived stance in society seems, uh, at least for a lot of people, to do with your wealth or your fame. In Jesus' time it was an honor-shame culture. So if a person uh, would want to calculate how much it was going to cost to build a tower, he would want to do this even before he starts. Because if he starts, it doesn't have the resources to finish. Then the people will laugh at him. The second parable is a king marching into battle with 10,000 troops. He must decide if he can successfully defeat another king, advancing with 20,000 troops. If he can, great. If not, then he should send a delegation to ask for peace terms. We don't always know the cost of our decisions. This is true of being a Christian, of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus puts the bar, the cost of being his disciple, quite high. Jesus says, If anyone comes to me without heeding his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Is Jesus anti family? Didn't God create Adam and Eve as a couple from the very beginning? Isn't the family the building block of society? Yes, these are all true. But Jesus is using hyperbole to make a point. We should love our father and mother. We should love our spouse. We should love our children. We should love our siblings, although that one is sometimes hard. We should love ourselves and our God-given gift of life. But not more than we love God. We should love God more than any of these people. To be a good disciple of Jesus We need to love him above all things and persons. This is the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to carry the cross of being a disciple of Jesus? This is a radical call. This is a radical sacrifice. Some of the saints sacrifice their very lives for Christ. We call them martyrs. We can think of our own St. Thomas More. Now Henry VIII, he went on to have six wives, wanted to divorce his first wife, Catherine, because she had not produced an heir to the throne, and then he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn. Knowing what we know now, it's probably Henry's fault that there was no heir. In the Middle Ages, the church and the state were more closely tied together. So Pope Clement VII went to null Henry's marriage to Catherine. In 1534 Henry VIII had thus started his own church breaking off from the Catholic Church and started the Church of England or as it's known in the United States the Anglican Church. St. Thomas More was Lord Counselor and advisor to Henry VIII St. Thomas More would not give his approval of Henry's divorce to Catherine and the starting of the Church of England. So Henry had St. Thomas More jailed and eventually killed St. Thomas More said to Henry VIII right before he was executed for treason, I die the king's true servant, but God's first. However, one could argue that no one knew the cost of being a disciple of Jesus more than St. Paul. In the second reading, St. Paul is writing to Philemon about Onesimus. Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. St. Paul hopes that Philemon will take Onesimus back, not as his slave as he was before, but as a brother in Christ. There is a lot here. St. Paul is first in, has been in prison for years for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, for being a disciple of Jesus. St. Paul wants to keep Onesimus around for companionship during his imprisonment but he sacrifices this desire this personal desire for the greater good Philemon is being asked to sacrifice to give up his ownership of Onusimus to receive him as an equal as a brother in Christ Saint Paul asked Philemon to receive Onusimus as he would receive him this is no small task at the time and place in which these events took place slaves were considered property of their owners that set them free would have been considered a dangerous precedent. Sacrifices, counting the cost, taking up our own crosses in order to follow Christ and putting him first into our lives or what we are called to do. Jesus took up his cross and died on it. Jesus took up his cross and died on it to save us from our sins, to give us the grace to be transformed into saints. This cost to God everything. And that's all God asks for return. That to be his disciple must cost us everything. It must cost us our very lives. Now hopefully none of us will be killed for our love of Jesus Christ. But would we be willing to do so if asked? Some saints have sold all their possessions to follow the will of God in their lives. For most of us, God won't ask us to get rid of all of our possessions. But would we be willing to do so if asked? God is a selfish lover. All He wants in return for His love and sacrifice for us is for us to love Him back above all things and persons. And in this life, this requires sacrifice. It requires taking up crosses. In the Empire Strikes Back, Yoda tells Luke Skywalker, do or not do, there is no try. We must not be lukewarm Catholics. We must not be lukewarm Christians. We must not be lukewarm disciples of Jesus. We either put God first or we don't. We either take up our cross or we don't. When we don't, we humbly ask for forgiveness from God and others and go to the sacrament of confession. Jesus counted the cost and decided we were worth everything. So he sacrificed everything. No matter what the future may hold for us, We too should count the cost. Decide it is worth everything to be a disciple of Jesus Christ.